0: London, England, March 5th, 2021. The Queen is not amused. Bread was delivered without crust, so they couldn't be cut off. Prince Andrew has taken up Bikram yogur. It's getting hot in the kitchen. Princess Eugenie gets a new hat. Fergie looking for Butler to suck toes in history repeating revelation. Peter Phillips has deep heat sprayed in his jock strap. Prince Charles is talking to artificial intelligent plants Hollywood has decided that British royal teeth are the new wheatgrass shot Meghan bullied courtiers for introducing Twinkies to the palace Camilla is riding in the Grand National William and Kate caught cheating in Norfolk pumpkin growing competition Meghan wears Wallace Simpson's dress dentures complete with mothballs and ruby insert Harry takes up skateboarding complete with hoodie, board shorts and knee pads And finally, Prince Philip erupts in hospital over the thin-shred marmalade. And the toast wasn't even double-buttered. Oh, dear. So, hello, it's Chappie welcome along to the program and um it's keep calm and cauliflower cheese episode uh oh gosh a terrible memory here. just uh hold on a second hold on a second hold on mm. oh it's 66 clickety click how exciting 66 clickety click that is the podcast today so this is a whimsical uh, little menagerie of a podcast. Uh, lots of dog stories, lots of butler stories, lots of cheek and general naughtiness. I have to say though, it was freezing last night. Freezing rain and then snow here in Colorado, and um, I, I'm double layered. I have the uh, I have the tartan or plaid pajamas under the uh, under the trouser today, and you know what? the boys in the barracks are getting a little hot so i'm going to have to take off the trouser and i'm going to perform for you today in just a tartan pajama so here we go let oh gosh excuse me a minute so this uh, this belt was made by neanderthals and um, the the holes were pierced uh, by uh, by mammoth tusks so so let me just ease these off here. Oh, I'm getting all wrapped around here. Oh, dear gosh. There, here we go. The, the microphone lead is wrapped around my leg here. All right. So all right. So just excuse me a second whilst I uh, remove the uh, pantaloons. All right. Oh, the slippers are getting in the way as well. All right. Okay. They're much more comfortable now much 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 more comfortable so here we are again a friday in our lives ladies and mantelpieces and uh some of the things that we may or may not be talking about uh today and and there's a lot to talk about really a lot i mean a whole bundle of things to talk about we we never even discussed um we never even discussed the reintroduction of zits to a pinocchio nose my uh, my Pinocchio nose. um we never talked about baby play pens for recovering corgis uh how about the f- femme fatale ladybug that appeared in my dreams also uh, a rather strange question that a uh, a doctor asked me uh the other day when I went to have a little butler checkup, just to make sure that uh, everything was crisp and ironed and uh you know none of the none of the pipes are rusting you know it's a pretty old uh, english house here so things do get a little bit rusty and uh, a little uh, uh, you, know, you, need to, you know the pipes need to be flushed out a little bit here um so um also i saw something rather wonderful for a friday morning emanating from somebody's garden i uh, i feel very manly today i i want for once maybe in 43 nearly 44 years I did did something manly. I I, I opened up a toolbox, and I'll be uh, talking about that later. Also, uh, Dick Golf. uh, Oh, no, sorry, Disc Golf. um, My sort of hatred of it. And uh, one of the things that we may be able to do to uh, to recover some ground, get our parks back from these uh, Dick Golfers, Disc Golfers, I'm sorry. Uh, The Breakfast Beard. um, Also, good cop, bad cop when it comes to uh, calling up uh, cable companies the urine sample dance, uh, pickled onion breath, uh, Weiss, a certain type of fly spray doesn't work. And anything pickle. Why, why do a lot of Americans not like the pickle? Why do they like the jars of pickles that we, we love here? Uh, the obsession with burgers, we never even talked about that. Uh, the smell of cream of celery soup um, after, uh, after a certain medical appointment. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. Could humans live on Mars? Why the architecture of Polo bases holds the key. Uh, park your permission uh, and pessimism and chat to a dog walker. Uh, NASA dares code breakers with hidden message on a parachute on Mars rover. Uh, Sailor fell overboard, survived 16 hours in the sea, clinging to a buoy. It's like a Norfolk buoy. Are you going to buoy? It's actually a boy. a buoy. Um, anyway. Uh, Chinese laugh at $64 potty sales in U.S. and uh, a warmer world lets Russian chips cross the Arctic as well. Dubai chefs curry favour with £194 edible gold biryani. Oh my gosh, how are we going to survive? There's so much to talk about. Can we can we pack it all in today? It really is it is packed to the ceiling here and even up to the rafters, you know. some raucous raucous material on today's uh highly esteemed keep time on color for our cheese podcast and i'm much more comfortable now i'm glad the barracks and the boys in are very free to roam and uh we'll be roaming and rollicking over the course of the next hour or so So could humans live on mars why the architecture of polar bases holds the key so they recently had the uh, successful landed mission perseverance nasa's 2.7 billion rover mission uh, that was a 7 month journey and was successful about a week and a half ago uh, but the um, but trying to set up bases to uh, allow humans to acclimatize to the conditions on mars Uh, such as in the Antarctica, there are severe restrictions uh, to the hostility of space. There are limitations on logistics, assembly, maintenance and repairs. Um, But think of the retractable giant skis that enable the British Antarctic Survey uh, Haley 6 to be relocated uh, to the shell of New Zealand's Scott base, which will allow it to cope with the winds gusting at 110 miles an hour, Both were designed by British architect Hugh Broughton uh, and offer far more ability to cope with the moving ice shelf and temperatures that can drop to minus 57 degrees Celsius. At Scott Base, due to be completed in 2027, up to 100 residents uh, might while away the hours in cafeteria and even a Kiwi-themed pub, while Halley 6, which opened in 2013, boasts a gym, library, large canteen, bar and mini cinema, The best show of all can be found looking straight up at the night sky through the central Oculus. NASA has certainly kept a firm eye on Antarctica as it looks, not for engineering solutions so much, but how the architecture can respond to the human condition. In areas like well-being, psychology, they're looking to learn how you deal with isolation, how to create a sense of community while giving people personal space. When you're designing for extreme environments, you're not going to find a quick solution or an old manual. You need to look at everything you can to find the answer. So, I mean, it's like what we've been coping with. I mean, nothing, nothing like going on Mars, I suppose, but over the last year in isolation. I mean, I think the key to all the astronauts and everything else is banana bread and indeed Zoom. So I think that I have a pretty pristine English complexion overall, a little bit pale. I'm not like uh, uh, painting uh, eggshell paste all over my face to whiten it or anything like uh, Queen Elizabeth did or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, but not too bad, not too many zits or blemishes or anything else. Um, but the other day I had probably one of the biggest nightmares for a man with a rather large nose. I, I actually got a huge headlight spot or zit on the end of my hooter. And you know what it, I mean, it takes you back to your teenage years. You just can't leave it alone. You start pressing it, picking it, squeezing it. And then it looks like uh, a red flashlight on the end of the hooter, and that's never a, a never a good look. But I'm wondering why, all of a sudden, out of the blue, after many years of no spots or zits, I start getting the uh, the spot or zit on the end of the on the end of the nose. I mean, the, the the problem is, a man with a large nose. If you have like a headlight on the end of it, people are forever looking at it. Now I always think I'm. People are forever looking at my nose. It's like Steve Martin in Roxanne, Serrano de Bergerac remake, or Jimmy Durante, or something. I always feel that people are looking at my my honker, you know, and and, and with a spot on the end of it, it draws more of an attention to it. So I did try uh, the old toothpaste trick uh, and, and and splattered it on the end of the on the end of the spot, you know. And, and do you know what? The toothpaste does dry dried out. And it was healed within a few days, and I'm back to, you know, I still have a, a sort of Himalayan uh, schnozzle, but uh, but the, but the, but the zit is gone. But what, you know, why after so many years, uh, you know, 43 years old, all of a sudden, I get, you know, it's like a mystery. It's like a mystery to the universe. It's like Sasquatch appearing in the uh, Gobi Desert or something. Why, you know, in terms of the Again, the size of my nose is probably the size of the Gobi Desert. So why does, you know, why all of a sudden does the Sasquatch zit appear on the end of my Gobi Desert? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's odd that it, it would suddenly reappear and reinvent itself onto my 43-year-old Snoz. But these are some of the mysteries of the universe. It's Some of the unexplained will probably be on William Shatner's show. The mystery of uh, a zit on the end of a butler's nose after 44 years. How mysterious unexplained. So there's a lovely article in the Times, uh, Emma Duncan, uh, about parkour pessimism and chat to a dog order. British people, the data shows, walk their dogs more than French, Germans, Americans or Australians. A Belgian anthropologist discussed this uh, with, uh, with Emma recently through the explanation lay partly to our own reticence of talking to dog walkers and people in the park. Britons, he said, were m- uh, both sociable and shy. They liked meeting new people, but found talking to strangers embarrassing. Dogs gave them excuse to do so. This I realize is profoundly true of me. This is what Emma says. I love the brief burst of sympathy or humor at a party or work meeting, the brief glimpse into the life of a stranger. This is one of the things I missed during lockdown. Now that the temperature's picked up, my dog walking pace has slowed and I'm getting my fix as strangers once more. I wander around South London Park, scanning for young, playful dogs. Sounds a little bit like, you know, a dating site, maybe Grindr or Tinder. Um, the uh, eight month Rus- uh, Jack Russell cross mongrel, in other words, to frolic with. When I spot a promising target, I move in, watch Basil's charm work its infallible magic on the dog. If the owner seems friendly, try some subtle conversational foray. That's a nice dog you've got. What a fluffy tail. Where do you go and get the dog's mane cut? Maybe dog's owner is a particularly fine class of human, uh, or, or maybe random humanity is nicer than one thinks. But I haven't met a dad yet, and I've spoken to a wider range of people than I would in these mythical normal times which you speak of. My recent haul includes a violinist from Tyneside a management consultant from Massachusetts a solicitor from Kent and a sales manager from Barcelona uh, I come from uh, I come away from each of these conversations with an oddly elated feeling that brings to mind a passage from a 30 minute monologue in Tom Stoppard's play Jumpers um, I tell you that now and again, not necessarily in the contemplation of rainbows or newborn babies, nor the extremities of pain or joy, but more probably ambushed by some quite trivial moment, seeing the exchange of signals between two long distance lorry drivers in the black sheet of a god awful night on the old A one, then it seems dip flash, dip flash of headlights that seems to affirm the common ground that is not only animal, is not long distance lorry driving. Then I tell you I know. Stop also talking about God. I wouldn't go that far, but I couldn't possibly. Being British, there is something deeply life affirming about the communion of strangers in a park as they watch their dogs. But as I said like a few weeks ago, I mean I I think with people with masks on, they're, they're more readily available to start waving at you. When you don't know who the bugger is, then they're very welcome to like waving at you because there's masks, sunglasses, I mean they look like Mr Invisible, Mrs. Invisible. And you don't know who they are. It may be somebody that you would avoid in normal times, but you just don't know who they are. So you do put the, you know, the customary charitable wave and uh, little salute up in the air, um, you know, when somebody walks past you and you don't really know who they are, but you're trying to be neighbourly, and uh, we, we, you know, we, we have this sort of communion Dunkirk spirit, this type of thing going on. Um, but you know, I think uh, that's the whole thing when it comes to chit chatting, and the uh, British are very good at that. The, uh, the dog is a sort of eternal icebreaker. So, you know you get a message when probably three different people send you the same thing. And it's basically um, a summary of the British and their lack of confrontation and uh, really not meaning what they say. So, here we go. So, this is what the British say. What the British mean and what foreigners understand. So the British say, I hear what you say. What the British mean, I disagree and do not want to discuss this further. And what foreigners understand, he accepts my point of view. And then, with the greatest respect, that's what I would say. What the British mean, you're an idiot. What foreigners understand, he is listening to me. What the British say, that's not bad. What the British mean, that's not good. What foreigners understand, that's poor. That's a very, very brave proposal. What the British mean, you're insane. What foreigners understand, he thinks, I have courage. And then what the British say, I would suggest, what they mean, do it or be prepared to justify yourself. What foreigners understand, think about the idea but do what you like. Uh, What the British say, oh incidentally, by the way, what the British mean, the primary purpose of our discussion is, what foreigners understand, that's not very important. What the British say, I was a bit disappointed that, what the British mean, I'm annoyed that, what foreigners understand, it doesn't really matter, what the British say, very interesting. What the British mean, that's clearly nonsense, what foreigners understand it doesn't really matter what the British say I'll bear that in mind what the British mean I've forgotten it already what foreigners understand they probably uh, do what I want them to do what the British say I'm sure it's my fault what the British mean it's your fault what foreigners understand why do they think that it was their fault what the British say you must come for dinner what the British mean it's not an invitation I'm just being polite what foreigners understand, I will get an invitation soon. What the British say, I almost agree. What the British mean, I don't agree at all. What the foreigners understand, he's not far from agreement. What the British say, I only have a few minor comments. What the British mean, please rewrite completely. What foreigners understand, he's found a few typos. And what the British say, finally, could we consider some other options? What the British mean, I don't like your idea. What foreigners understand, they have not decided yet. I mean, we're speaking the same language, but for some reason, that little pond called the Atlantic Ocean in between seems to dilute and cle- completely change the, uh, you know, the idea of what we're trying to say. I think you need, we need a Rosetta Stone between the British and the Americans. I think that's the only way for it. There needs to be some translation. There needs to be Google translation in terms of uh, in terms of meaning and in terms of hints and ter- in terms of subtlety. Can we get that sorted out? But I think uh, we might understand ourselves a little bit more. Anyway, I think I'm going to go stand in the line for two hours to get a cup of tea. So excuse me a moment. Okay, time for another fireside butler ghost tale. And we're still in Oxford. The White Heart. Minster Lovell. The White Heart, originally built in the 15th century, is haunted by a ghost of a woman called Rosalind. who has been seen crying bitterly close to the old spiral staircase. It is thought that the girl hanged herself from the staircase as a result of a broken love affair. Among the phenomena... Said to be associated with the girl, a number of glasses mysteriously dropped from a shelf to the floor on one occasion. And a handbell was thrown to the floor with great force, although there was nobody near it at the time. On another occasion, a barrel of sherry was tipped over and its contents were spilled. Oh dear. So, last week I said I'd do a taste test of a brand new ice cream. Well, I think it's brand new anyway. Uh, It it, it sounds rather like a condom or Rubber Johnny. It's not as chewy. I mean, not that I've ever had a condom in my mouth before, but um, it sounds a little bit like that. So that's what we're going with. And um, sadly, unlike condoms, it doesn't seem to come in different sizes. It's a small punnet. So here we go. So brown wrapping embossed with gold. It looks very decadent and says made with Belgian chocolate. So no cheap substitutes here. I'm going to open up the lid to reveal. Gold foil is like like Willy Wonka's golden ticket on the top there. So I'm just going to peel it back. And here we go. There's a solid chocolate shell on top. And I believe it's covering all the way through the ice cream. And it says squeeze to crack. So I'll squeeze and I'll tap, and the ice cream is breaking apart. And underneath the chocolate, there's chocolate scattered all amongst the ice cream here. I'm just gonna have a taste here, a little taste test. You've got the chocolate on top, the decadent Belgian chocolate on top, and the creaminess underneath. I mean, there's, there's chocolate scattered. There's, there's oodles of chocolate scattered through this ice cream, like flakes of Belgian chocolate. The crispy shell on top. The shell around the middle. And I'll just have one more taste. I don't normally eat this sort of thing. I mean, I normally do this. What I mean is I do normally eat this sort of thing, but not until a little later. I mean, it's so creamy. It's luscious, creamy, decadent, delicious. And oh, so wonderfully, marvellously chocolatey. I just need a couple of seconds now. a duo with Dr. Tails from the week so I uh, went to get a checker but I said to you know make sure the pipes weren't rusty uh, that uh, the, the, the drapes were still neat and ironed and pressed and uh, resplendent um, the uh, bow tie was straight not crooked all of these things needed to be checked out and uh, anyway so I, I, I turn up and um, you know series of different tests here and um, Blood tests and stuff, and they said, "Well, you need to do a urine test." Well, you know, I can only normally urinate into a bottle after a gin and tonic, and they didn't have—they uh, didn't have a Hendrix and tonic. So, uh, I mean, I thought I'd have to douse myself with a ocean level of water to be able to perform, um, which you know I did, or uh, well, just about, you know. And you're doing a little—you're uh, doing the little wee wee dance sort of thing, you know. That looks like some sort of uh, very fast St. Patrick's Day jig. And um, yeah, so I I needed to go. I had the urine cup here. I didn't know where the bathroom was. So there was no bathroom in the the facility of the clinic. But they said, just cross over there, you know, uh, to the left of that office over there. So the bathroom over there. So that's what I did. I I, I scampered across, guardled across uh to to the bathroom you know and I, I filled up the cup to a healthy amount and then i realized i'm holding a pretty large urine cup and i had to go past uh office professionals whilst holding a uh, a sort of urine cup and um i i did the sort of embarrassed sort of urine cup dance uh, and I didn't really know where to, I mean, I didn't want to hold it, so I, I, I sort of tucked it in my back pocket and pulled the uh, pulled the, the, fisherman's sweater over the bottom to cover the urine pot. But I was thinking as I was, like, uh, very gingerly walking back uh, that, um, you know, what happens if the top comes off and I'm all of a sudden covered in my own urine whilst walking past and. Uh, professionals here in Colorado going about their daily work business. And it was, I have to say, it's quite perturbing to me uh, that this may uh, may indeed happen. But I was walking back very slowly with my uh, bottom cheeks clenched together so, you know, the back pocket doesn't move to allow the urine bottle to fall under the floor and shatter to a million pieces with my urine all over the floor. And you know what, I manfully, I manfully did it, I succeeded. And got the urine sample to the nurse without an embarrassment. I don't think anybody knew that I was carrying a urine sample in my back pocket. So, the second part of my doctor tale the tale of a butler at a doctor's. It sounds like a joke, like an Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman, but it's a butler talking to a doctor. And um, she said, uh, uh, Monsieur Trappet, can you uh, please uh, get naked? Well, not in those words, but. Take your clothes off. I need to examine the crown jewels. Make sure that uh, the sapphires are still there, and the diamonds and the rubies still at the, the, the he- in the headstone. There. Anyway, so I, uh, I, I, you know, I got removed all, all clothes. You know, and um, you know the doctor was making pleasant chat. No questions about my travels or where I'd come from, or anything else. Yeah. So I finally took. You know, the Tiger whities came off, and there I was standing in the all together. In the all together. And um, she wasn't looking into my eyes when she said this, but uh, she said, Oh, uh, oh you're, you're, you're British, are you? <clears throat> I think I blushed on both cheeks. So apparently, side partings are out gull emojis are in, these are the new rules for being cool. Uh, bad news, even though you've only just got the hang of emojis because you desperately want to look cool for the millennials, the rules are suddenly changed. Because Generation Z are the hip new kids in town and they're busy setting fire to everything the millennials held dear, one of the biggest trends on TikTok, along with dances, challenges and sea shanties and posting obnoxious recipes to the sort of unbearably tweed food that you'd expect teddy bears to eat, is millennial bashing. For instance, many users want to know that the cry laughing emoji is now deeply uncool. of age. I stopped using it a while ago because I saw older people using it, like my mum, my older siblings, and just older people in general. A, general. a 21-year-old told CNN, use the skull emoji. Apparently, this is what Gen Z use instead of the crying emoji. The, those ancient millennials just laugh so much that it makes them weep. But Gen Z, they literally laugh out until their skin builds away from the skull and they die. Uh, you have to shut up about Harry Potter. Sure, there were books that you got through your childhood, but to the young, the Harry Potter books are now set in unacceptably twee fairy tales, written by somebody who might as well be Hitler. Uh, what's your memes? Remember all the old, you know you were born in the 90s, if you remember this, means where millennials would gaze upon the DVD as if it was the priceless ancient artefact. Gen Z's do not go for the nonsense, they prefer aggressively absurd wordplay, pictures of Gordon Ramsay in an Egyptian headdress, titled Gordon Ramesses. Uh, Update your abbreviations. Stop writing GR8 in great in text messages because nothing signifies desperate old age like the same with you. Instead of you, there's a whole new world of Gen Z abbreviations to try. For instance, W is short for win, L is the opposite, and wig means I like this. Uh, Lose the skinny jeans in the side party. Hmm, I better do that then. Skinny jeans would become another victim of the millennial versus Gen Z TikTok culture war. If you're trying to look young, do not post any photos online in skinny jeans and likewise with the parting of your hair. And use only the right social media platforms and avoid paragraphs and no aubergines ever. So Chinese laugh at $64 potty on sale in the US. The Amazon advert promises a must-have item that's become the talk of China, a gorgeous, authentic, retro fruit bowl that is an essential decoration for any US kitchen. It would be best to avoid the second ham options of $32 to $64 red enamel bowls sell for $4 in China, and the talk over there is actually a spittoon, or indeed a chamber pot. Screenshots of the bowls containing fruit, breadsticks, beer bottles, and champagne have gone viral on Chinese. Uh, social media where users have uh, expressed surprise at the price of the description in one advert described as great for entertaining and dining areas a gorgeous accent piece an elegant gift for any occasion one chinese commentator replied to the listing maybe this is a new road to riches in china's rural villages the enamel spittoon is a place in china's diplomatic history jen uh, Xiaopong uh, loudly spat into the caretaker's foot when he met with Margaret Thatcher. According to one British official, there's a lively debate going on for years about whether Deng's habit of spitting into spittoons was done for effect or actually out of habit. So Friday mornings are uh, rather lovely. Any any time, I mean, it's a sort of it's weekend eve basically, and uh, rather rather delightful times ahead, hopefully. So anyway, I was walking uh, walking George at the moment. Uh, Not walking Maggie at the moment. She had a little operation. She still has the donut around her head. You can see pictures of that on Instagram. At keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Anyway, so I was walking this morning. And I saw some steam emanating from a garden. It was a frosty morning. Frosty, chilly morning. uh, Light dusting of snow everywhere. And, um, you know, walking past a house. And I saw this steam emanating. wonder what it was. I mean, it looks interesting. So I looked over. And uh, there was a couple in a hot tub uh, with a uh, with a cafetiere, the French press, having their morning coffee in the hot tub. And I mean, I didn't want to look too closely because, I mean, last night I was watching uh, an episode of The Affair, which is a great show on uh, Showtime. Now showing on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend it with uh, um, uh, with Ruth Wilson, Dominic West. Anyway. They were um, on a in a hot tub on some island. Uh, It wasn't Long Island. It was a even smaller island just off the coast of Long Island. And they 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 saw a hot tub. It was an abandoned house uh, during the autumn months. Everybody had gone back to the city from the summer, and they thought, you know what, it's abandoned. Let's go in the hot tub. And they got naked in the hot tub, and then the owner came back. So I, I sort of slightly worried that the two people in the hot tub this morning with the hot coffee, the cafeteria going, sipping their morning coffee, were uh, were starkers, naked in the hot tub. I didn't want to look too closely. But I thought, what a fabulous start to a Friday. Having your coffee or a strong kappa in the hot tub in the morning. I mean, it warms warms everything up before you start your day. You know, you've got the coffee down the gallet warming, and then you've got the bubbles uh, tickling your Tchaikovsky um, in the hot tub. Absolutely uh, absolutely fabulous start to Friday. And I think uh, you know one I would like to l- like to feel, you know easing myself into a Friday in a hot tub might be the way forward peeps. So we have another little session of Trump or trombone where we look at the most awful headline crimes of the week and equate it to a trombone or indeed a raspy Trump. Uh, so mum threatens to put kids on eBay after they redecorate the house with talcum powder. Christina Milford Scott left two children uh, to play Bronwyn and Soren to play in the living room for a few minutes, but the destruction they left behind took hours to indeed clear up. Um, the 23 year old left her eldest children four and uh, two to play in the living room while she attempted to get ready. It uh, wasn't before long before the duo walked in looking white as ghosts, uh, bracing herself for what they left behind. Her husband, Jareth, went to find the entire living room debauched in white powder including the carpet curtains and lampshade um i mean well it would help with sweaty feet i guess um but the whole white powder episode looks like an episode of narcos Uh, i once knew a rugby player who powdered the jock strap to avoid betty swallocks and loved to fart with the powder explosions but that's a whole different story (laughs) And the man who proposed to his girlfriend at his best friend's wedding has been called off for wrecking the big day. Uh, Lavin Ben from Sydney got married to his wife, Catherine, on November the 15th last year. In a bid to make the day memorable, Groom Lavin planned for his best friend to pop the question to his own girlfriend during the reception. But the newlyweds were forced to defend their decision after receiving hate on the video that posted the romantic moment online. The video taken by a wedding guest sees the bride, Catherine, uh, uh, preparing to throw the bouquet uh, behind her. As the old tradition says, whoever catches the bouquet is supposedly uh, next to walk down the aisle. But instead, she walks straight over to her best friend, hands her the flowers, and spins around to show her boyfriend down on one knee with a ring in his hand. I mean, this guy who decided to propose to his own girlfriend on the same day of the wedding of his friends obviously has rocks for brains. I mean, what happened if the rock he was giving his uh, his new fiance was bigger than the rock uh, that uh, the, the that the bride had on her day. I mean, it could absolutely cause a civil war. Um, I mean, he should have immediately been cut off from the open bar at that time and bought all drinks for the rest of the wedding party. And a lucky woman finds lump of whale vomit worth one hundred eighty five thousand pounds whilst walking on a beach. Poor Nimran stumbled upon the unusual mass in Nakhon Si Samarit province in Thailand and decided she would drag it back to her home half a kilometer away before realizing it was valuable ambergris. A lucky woman found the huge lump believed to be expensive whale vomit washed up near a beach house. She was walking on the beach after a rainstorm when she noticed a strange mass. She walked up closer to the substance to have a look at it and found it had a very fishy smell. Thinking it could be something she could sell, the 49 year old dragged it back to her house, which was around 50 meters away from the beach. The oval shaped lump weighed seven seven kilograms and was about 12 inches wide and 24 inches long. Based on the previous sale prices, the weight would give the vomit, also known as ambergris, an estimated value of 186,000 pounds 500 I think whales could make themselves rich by inducing themselves to vomit would you get a whale drunk to use it for its vomit I mean literally it could be pennies from heaven maybe job had an Old Testament perfumery and he infiltrated a whale's stomach to start biblical brute so Dubai chefs curry favor with 194 pound edible gold biryani An Indian restaurant in Dubai claims to have created the world's most expensive biryani by topping it with 23-carat edible gold leaf. The Bombay Burra has created a glittering version of the rice dish that costs 1000 dirhams and is served on a great platter carried by two waiters. Godi Shadazi, the restaurant's floor manager, said the dish involved four types of saffron-infused rice, a mixed grill including kofta kebabs, lamb chops and roast chicken. On top, we put more than 20 pieces of real gold leaf for a truly luxurious finish. The standard biryani main meal costs up to 16 pounds, uh, $20, uh, and which is close to several five-star hotels at Nad Al Shaiba Racecourse at the center of Dubai. However, the raw gold biryani, which takes 45 minutes to prepare, must be ordered in advance. The gold foil, which is sourced by the local supplier, can be eaten with sauces or without. I mean, this is almost like going back to that whole wedding situation where the, the, uh, groom, uh, the groom and the bride had the wedding and then their best friend proposed as well. I'm just wondering if you could fish out the gold leaf and sort of uh, form it into a ring. You know, the, I don't know if you know about the, uh, the cat poop uh, that basically a cat eats coffee. Um, I don't know if this is in the Far East. A cat eats coffee and, uh, and then is digested and uh, clipped it at the other end and made into a luxurious coffee. I mean, it could be the same here. I mean, you could be fishing out the gold leaf uh, and uh, and make it into your next wedding band, something along those lines. Sounds like a messy job, but somebody has to do it. So I found another another thing about the beard. So, you know, probably 99.9% of men in Colorado have a beard. And I always say, my mantra, I have T-shirts made, and I have a hat saying, shave the bugger off, basically. Not a fan of the facial hair at all. I mean, I told you guys before that I look like a um, a, a Russian U-boat captain, um, submarine captain. But I wouldn't have the Sean Connery Scottish accent if I was a submarine captain. But that's what I look like if I grow a beard. Absolutely hate them. So I saw a gentleman the other day. Um, he was he was fixing something. Um, I think to do with cable or um, uh, or uh, internet access. And it looked like he had half a burrito in his beard. I mean, do these guys wait and hold on to that piece of burrito and like suck it off like a little bit of chili and egg later in the day? Is that why? Is that you know one of the reasons to have the beard? You don't need a lunchbox basically. Your beard is some sort of uh, hairy, lunch lunchbox. And you can store food, soup, sauce, maybe the odd chicken nugget. Perhaps, the uh, you know, you could probably tie bratwurst into the beard and nibble at it later. Or maybe a, some sort of pie or something along those lines. But it's absolutely horrible. I mean, seeing that first thing in the morning with half a burrito still in somebody's beard as he went about his work really did turn my stomach. I mean, it could probably turn me vegan it may make me fast for several days afterwards. It was definitely a vomit-inducing Barbarossa, without a doubt. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to just stick to eating cornflakes in the morning for the foreseeable future. The breakfast beard should not become a thing. Thank you for le- listening to the podcast uh, this week. I am actually uh, being featured on Audio burst uh, Creators uh, this coming week. Uh, I I don't know I think they uh, pulled my name out of the hat or uh, or maybe um, or maybe spun the roulette wheel of doom and uh, my face was landed on well not my face my my podcast so you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to see me uh, highlighted on there this coming week with little audio bursts and audio clips and um, you know I don't know if they're trying to Steer people away from the company and maybe lessen their stock value. Uh, but that could be the case. But I'll be featured on that on Audio Burst this coming week. Uh, and you'll be able to hear little snippets of the best parts of the show. And we really had to get a paleontologist in to delve and find the best parts of the show. It was a, it was a whole o- operation, almost like trying to find Tutankhamun's uh, tomb. But at Keep Cheese on Twitter, Keep Carmen Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram, across all the platforms from Apple to Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Pandora. And I finish with a little poem from a Shropshire lad, loveliest of trees the cherry now is hung with bloom along the bough and stands about the woodland ride wearing white for easter tide now of my three score years and ten twenty will not come again and take from seventy springs a score it only leaves me fifty more and since to look on things to bloom fifty springs a little room about the woodland i will go to see the cherry hung with snow Okay, lads and lasses, I will be back tomorrow with the podcast. Uh, Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. 67 tomorrow. 67. We're nearly 70. Oh, dear. Um, But uh, toodle pip for now.